Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is simple, to spread the gospel and the good news to the ends of the world and do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you. So glad to be able to speak to you guys. Uh, it's an honor and privilege. Uh, it's awesome also that uh, through things like Zoom, a per- person from Missouri can actually come to uh, Northeast and talk. Just super thankful. And I just pray that uh, these are not just my words, but these are words that you can just take and really apply to your life. I'm so excited just to see um, what God is doing through this group, what God is uh, wanting to do. Um, you know, there's so many reasons why we don't know what's going on in the world, but we do know that. Through all this, God is helping us as the body of Christ, as the church of Christ, to rise up and to do greater things. Amen. Um, you know, but the main focus of my sermon is just uh, titled Ending the Cycle of Fads. Um, and the reason why I wanted it to be that is because things like this, you know, all of us meeting together, this is something so amazing, right? This is something that we're able to communicate every day. There's something going on. You can go tune into Zoom or Instagram Live or whatever it may be and find something that can help you grow. And it's, it's a huge resource. Um, but what happens after we go back to normal? Like uh, what happens when the jobs come back? What happens when schools come back? What happens when we have to start attending our own churches in the physical location? Um, And how do we ensure that things like what we're doing now don't die off? Um, Because God has called us not to just be reactive, but proactive, to see into the future and already have discerned the times, be like the sons of Korah. Um, And, you know, we have to first, in order to learn about how to end a cycle, just from a practical standpoint, we have to first understand the initial problems of life pre-corona or COVID-19. And um, you guys probably all can relate. Uh, someone might say, uh, you know, in the church, there's probably a generational gap and that there's like all the problems that go with that. Um, some people might say there's some family issues. Some people might talk about having to make life career decisions, financial decisions. You know, there's a, there's a plethora of, of problems that happen before all this went down. Now, Let's look at life during this time. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some positives. Like, for example, this community here, amazing online community that we're having. We're seeing not just this, but so many people are meeting together and doing intentional fellowship. That's like an amazing thing. Something that I think uh, before this, we didn't really value. And now that we're being restricted from meeting people in a normal means, uh, we're valuing intentional relationships, intentional life building. Um, there's also some negatives. Some people might have used this time of laziness to binge watch their whole, every single Netflix episode, or they might use it to go fall back into old bad habits, uh, whether sexual sins, maybe it's uh, <laughs> gluttony. Like it, there's a plethora of things that, uh, can happen in a negative way, or uh, for some worst case scenario, you have already pre-existing family problems, 
And having to be with your family during this time is difficult because they're not seeing eye to eye, or maybe you're alone, you're isolated. You have no one to go to, and this has been such a stressful situation. Whatever your case may be, understand what were the positives and negatives. Um, and then looking at the, the end, which we're talk, trying to talk about, the ending the cycle, what is life post-COVID-19? And what are the things that are going to come back in your life? Is it going to be the jobs, the career, the people? You know, there's also, there's good influences, like the church was also other influences. And sometimes there are also people in the church. We got to be honest with it. Uh, there's going to be people in the church that we are going, that are going to lead us astray. Sometimes our closest friends, maybe our walk with God has been so great because we've been away from all the distractions, all the things that have caused us to fall back into sin. But when we re-encounter these people, what's going to happen? Are we going to be standing firm right now? It's uh, almost as if this is like a perfect lab experiment um, where you're isolated from all other parameters and all right now we have really no true distractions um, besides the ones we have at home. But when the, the world comes back upon us, people, problems emerge. Guess what? The generational gap problems that we keep on talking about, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. And guess, and in spite of all these things adding on, we're losing our time. What created this situation, what caused the church and things like this to originate was there was a gap where there were, life was getting taken away from us via jobs, careers, whatever it may be, and groups, ministries started to rise up to fill the void. And that's great. That's an amazing thing. But what happens whenever those things come back? Are these ministries going to be greater or are they going to die out? And my prayer is that God is going to raise up a generation. God's going to raise up people that really take this and start doing intentional life with each other, start discipling and raising up disciples because the church isn't just meant to, for us to be better, but it's meant for, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Um, that gospel happens when our day-to-day -day life is set apart. So what we need to do in order to, for us to understand this, we need to focus on what our generation struggles with, you know, and I want to talk about the good things we are getting. The good thing is our generation is thriving at being in the moment or in our feelings. And what, that ha what happens with that is whenever situations come, we are good with just adjusting, rolling with the punches, like things like this, where it's led by a group of young people who are rising up and taking a stand for our generation. This is awesome. This is what happens when us young people, we don't care as much about the politics we are caring about ministering to a need and that's that's the greatest attribute we have is we are very fast we're proactive in that nature but one thing i've noticed uh being in this generation myself is that we uh we don't know how to have sustained continuous growth and that's not just for like a month or two months but throughout our life um I see this uh, value that we have, and I'm not here to bash any uh, ministers, but what I see is there's this mindset that we have that you can, you can ask yourself, find any popular teaching you find online, and you can see that it goes from dealing with your problems, and then it goes about thriving in life. Then like next month, 
you'll hear about how to deal with another problem. And then you go thriving in life. But if you look at how the sermon series are in, in a broad perspective, it showcases that you're going to go up, you're going to go down. And it's never going to go to a place of supernatural things. It's just going to go up, down, up, down. It's just a cycle. But we, we thrive on talking about the joy of the Lord's our strength. We thrive on talking about miracles. We thrive on talking about the amazing goodness of God. But how can we treat God as if it's all about just being, having a good life? Like I hear more of us talk about, hey, look what X, Y, and Z preacher told me. And I hear very little about, look what God revealed to me in my prayer time. Look what God has done in my life. Look at, we, we hear less and less talk about the substance, the word of God. And we hear more and more about how this made us feel, how it, how the person delivered it in such a way, how we use a great, a great point to illustrate why we need to let go of something. And not that these are bad things, but the thing is we're not allowing the word of God to sustain us. See, if you remember in, in the Bible, we look at David's life. David was a man after God's own heart. But the thing that I love about David was the fact that he was a man who struggled with things. What made him a man after God's own heart is you can read in the Bible, the various passages. One, uh, I reminded when his, his own men were about to kill him. And it was David was so depressed. But it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. It didn't say David go went and turned on... Uh, like my boy, Mike Todd, he didn't go turn on one message and then all of a sudden be like, yo, this is lit. we're going we're gonna to go kill the enemy. Like, no, it wasn't like that. He had just him and God. Like that was all he had. And it said he was strengthened in the Lord. Where are we finding people that truly get their strength from the Lord? See, I, I think what, what the, the problem is, is that we like to speak on topics that deal with our feelings, deal with the superficial, but there's a heart problem that we're not recognizing. See, it's just like, for example, my, um, you may have a loved one or a parent that suffers. Unfortunately, as Indians, we have a lot of people suffering with high blood pressure. Um, and you uh, may know that there are medicines to treat that for the symptom, but it does not cure high blood pressure. Otherwise, many Indians would be dancing up and down. It does not cure. No medication cures it. It treats the symptoms. For a while, for a temporary moment, it will not, you will not suffer from these symptoms, but in a day or two, it will come back. And that's why there are treatment plans through medication, but it does not cure it. What we are seeing is people are allowing their feelings to be sought after and fulfilled, but it's never from the word of God. So what happens is, is we keep on needing another person's word to strengthen us. And that's the problem. We're not finding strength in the Lord. I don't want you guys see that we all need to rise up and do greater things. And, and this ministry is where iron sharpens iron. But we need to understand how the enemy has tricked us from feeling satisfied. Because I don't want any of us to feel that, oh, I need to go hit up Jeremiah to be, uh, to, for asking to lay hands on me. Like, no, there's a, you know, it maybe if I pray, that's it. But you need to seek God. It is not because of me. It's not because of anyone on here. It's you and God. 
He says, God, man looks on the outward things, but God's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. He's wanting to see who is willing to have humbleness, a broken and contrite spirit before me to be used. I think a lot of times, um, I, I love the reason why just to, to get in a little bit, why, why we need to get away from like the messages and feelings and not that they're bad. Please don't misunderstand me. It's not that they're bad. But if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, uh, it says, The message I preach and how I preach, it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. See, I... I don't need to speak, like, let the word of God just minister you in this moment. It says not on man's wisdom. It is not talking about an evil man. or It's talking about just in general, not on people's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. I'm just, uh, I'm amazed. And why, why are we not seeing that? We, we can go, why are we not seeing uh, the growth that, that we've, truly desire to see we want to see revivals i i think everyone on here would say i want to see revivals i want to see miracles and happening but god is asking us to be holy he's calling us the reason why like when we go back we have to choose this day who we all serve just like just like they say in the bible we need to choose see i think a lot of times i'm going to mention the word holy holiness and a lot of times especially in the indian uh, church, we find that holiness has been abused. What I mean is it's been used in the legal term. So for example, I'm not wearing a white shirt, so I might be judged because I am not living according to someone's standard. Or I might have like my haircut. You literally can make up so many things where it's the outward appearance that we're claiming our holiness from. Or maybe you say, oh, I go to church. I sing on the worship team, all this stuff. But holiness is not what we simply do. It's the lifestyle we live. It's the lifestyle. And the thing is, I'm learning. It's not about saying, oh, I prayed X amount of hours a day. It's not about saying I did this and that. It's about saying that, God, I want to surrender all my thoughts, all my dreams, every single thing I do in a day. I want to surrender it to you. Because I am tired of simply just going to church. I am tired of talking about the generational problems and never finding an answer. Hearing speakers keep on telling me, oh, we must do X, Y, and Z. No, God, I need you. I want you to empower me. I want you to give me the wisdom, how to love my parents. And this is where I learned. Even for me, like I learned that a lot of times I use the word of God as a way to defend my own legalism. And I think that sometimes as, as younger people, we don't, we're unaware that we use legalism too because we use it as a way of why we don't live according to how our parents say. But the word of God is it's so beautiful and it gives us the instructions on avoiding these things because it says that we need to first honor our parents, not honor every single person that tells you what to do. Honor your parents. Whenever we need to first understand what's God's purpose is to first glorify himself in our lives, in our family, and then through the world. See, if we, if we skip the steps, we're going to be ineffective in our ministry. Not that you cannot be effective, and not that you can't do great things, 
but you will be ineffective if your family is not seeing that godliness that you so claim to have. God is wanting to restore everything back to its rightful place. And it's time for us to understand that we need to just humble ourselves. I'm not talking, I I don't want, please don't get me wrong and say this is like legalism. I want you, let the Holy Spirit convict you. Whatever you need to surrender to your parents, I don't care if it's jewelry, I don't care if it's your haircut, whatever it may be, I say surrender to God. Let God be in your family. Let God be the sole foundation. I'm tired of seeing families so torn apart. We, and it says in the Bible, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You worship me in vain. Your teachings are but rules taught by men. See, that, that is found in Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. And if you look before, it's talking about how uh, these kids are using their, their legalism to do something that would dishonor their parents. You see the same pretext that we are finding right now, we're, we're in the midst of, is still relevant in the Bible. Because they're saying, oh, it's permissible to do this because I have this law that says it's okay. And Jesus like, you are, you're just honoring me with your lips. It's just lip service. See, what God is saying, when you live holy, God will demonstrate his power. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to ask for a platform. You don't have to ask to to minister. God will give you opportunities. God is tired of people trying to create platforms and then say, oh, God gave it to me. God is wanting to establish his people. He He said, I will build my church. He didn't say, no, you're going to build my church. He said, I will build my church and no power of hell will prevail against it. I want to just see a, a, a raw, authentic church movement rise up where people are just so desperate. They're so desperate in seeking and interceding and believing and living. I don't care. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do. Let God tell you. I don't need to tell you. Because everyone's life is different. I'm not saying, oh, all you need to do is spend time in prayer. No, because God needs people in the workplace. God needs people to minister in their job. God needs people to minister in their education. God needs every single person. But are you willing to submit? See, I'm so marveled. We, we can go back to David. And we can look in First Chronicles. See, you see First Chronicles is... Uh, a summary of uh, all the kings that it specifies on David's life. And if you guys remember in your Bible school days, you will remember that, um, or Sunday school days, remember that there was a guy named Uriah who was trying to save the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And then God struck him dead. And for the longest time, I did not understand why God would do such a thing. But I understood, God started revealing things to me. And he, he said, it's because it was the church's laziness at that time. The church was lazy with the most precious thing they had, God's presence. And it was a Levitical law that you do not put the temple, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. You only carry it and it's only carried by priests. Okay, this was a law. So what happens is you hear about this guy dying and then all of a sudden David's so, he's in anguish. He asks God and then he just stops carrying the temple, the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem because he's like, "I, I don't want to offend God. And then He reads the word of God. He understands that only the Levites are called to do it. So you guys might be wondering, why am I talking about this? Well, if you look in 1 Chronicles 15, verse 2, 
David said to no one, but the Levites may carry the ark of God for the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and minister to him forever. What David did is David decided to make a lifestyle change. He said, from this point onwards, we're never going to dishonor God by being so careless with how we serve, how we minister. We are going to be so intentional. I want you to understand, God wants you to be very intentional about meeting him, be very intentional about being used. And the second thing, the second thing that struck me in this passage, okay, it says, consecrate yourselves in verse uh, 12, your brothers, that you may bring up the Ark of the Covenant and prepare it. And it says, consecrate. What does consecrate mean? Set yourself apart. What I'm trying to tell you is this is not legal. This is literally the word of God. And it's trying to tell us, wake us up and say that if you want to be used by God, you have to live differently. I'm not going to tell you, like I said, I'm not going to tell you what you need to do, but I'm going to tell you God is requiring us to be set apart. He's requiring us to live different, be led by the spirit. So what does that look like? You might have to stop watching movies all the time. You may only have to restrict yourself. You may find yourself doing other things. I'm not going to tell you what you must do because that will be from a place of legalism. And Jeremy, like, oh, Jeremy, you told me not. You're saying Netflix. I'm not telling you anything is bad because it says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Okay? It says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. What are you willing to do? What does your love say about God? And it says, in the second, the third thing, it says, and this is, this is like an interesting point because in the next chapter, it talks about the Levites and who are there in place. And if you look, it's so interesting. It mentions people who are gatekeepers. It mentions people by name who are gatekeepers. Even though they're Levites, even though they're consecrated to serve the Lord, the next chapter you read that they are simply just gatekeepers. And what God was speaking to me is there are some people who are not satisfied with living a consecrated life and doing very little in the church. They don't think it's worth it. You might be saying, Jeremy, you're telling me to do this, but I don't have a platform. I'm not telling you to do something because you have a platform. I'm telling you to do something because God has called us in his word to be a royal priesthood. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He's called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders through the world. See, God is calling us to be set apart, but he does not say being set apart means you're going to have a glamorous platform. Because being a gatekeeper, most of us who have been to India know, if you see a gatekeeper, their life is not very glamorous. Matter of fact, it would be straight up boring. But the word of God is honoring these people because they were okay with consecrating himself for this task. God is not looking for people who have talent. He's looking for hearts. He cares so little about talent these days. I'm going to say that he cares so little about your talent, what you can do. If you're talented in music, it doesn't matter. If your heart's not there with God, these things are meaningless. See, I, I, I want you to understand that I say all this because God is changing me. I'm not, I'm not in a place where I, I'm like a perfect man. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning to cut things out. 
I'm learning just to sit and, and wait on the Lord, like it says, and he will renew my strength. I'm learning just to spend time and be so satisfied with the fact that God is there. Whenever literally no one is around me, I can have God's presence. And it's, it's a struggle because this world we have, I used to be a person that loved binge watching, loved doing all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you, I only start experiencing more of who God is whenever I started to just let go. I started to let go. I started to honor my parents. My parents had this thing about my hairstyle and they're like, yo, Jeremy, don't get a fade. Not that a fade is illegal. I don't want to go to this. Like I said, not legalism, but they didn't want me to do it. So what God put on my heart is until you're married, Jeremy, you are under your parents' submission. And it says in the word of God to honor. And I had to just be like, God, I, I know every single verse to this, to fight them back. But when God put on my heart that I need to honor them, I realized that I was being very selfish. Those words that I used saying the word of God is make, giving me a right. When my parents see it, they don't see that as a word of God. They say me being dishonoring them. And what is it worthwhile to look fresh to the world or to have God's glory on my life because I'm willing to submit? I'm learning about the love and um, like I'm, I'm recently engaged and I'm going through like this learning about love um, and finding that in this one uh, seminar that I'm going with my fiance, it talks about how love is when not the physical affection, but it's love submits. And I think that we don't really understand love because we always take it about the action, the affection, the affirmation. Yes, that's there. But true love will submit. Because, not because it's easy, but because you want to honor the other person. It's letting go of what your own self is and saying, I'm willing to let this go because I love this person so much. God is saying, how much do you truly love me? You say it so much in your songs. You say it so much in your worship. But when I see your families, when I see your churches, I don't see the love of God. I see yourself. I see egos. Why are churches hardly ever bringing in people to come into the Lord? How come the most church growth in America is church hopping? Not people accepting Christ as Savior, but literally people hopping from one church to another. God is so longing and desiring to reveal himself to each one of us. I believe, and I, and I say this from the depths of my heart, I believe that God is going to use you guys, every single person on here, to do greater things than I could ever do. I honestly believe that God is wanting to do something special because guess what? You're in a specific area for a specific purpose for a specific reason and God's wanting to say I want to showcase my glory it says the the whole universe waits anticipation for God's glory to be revealed and God wants his glory to be revealed in your your life I, I just pray that I, I don't want to I want to leave with a message of hope I say all this with a message of hope I I'm not I'm not worried about our future I don't believe that we are going to continue a cycle. I believe that God is calling us to break the cycle, to break the chains, to break every yoke of the enemy, 
to break the strongholds in our family, in our churches, in, our, in the denominations, in every single thing. I truly believe God is wanting to do that now here amongst us, Lord. And, and I, I believe that each one of us is an in, integral part of this process. We all have to have a role. And it may not always be speaking, but God is looking for someone to just say, here I am, use me. Have that humbleness of heart, submissive to the spirit, and just let God be God. And I pray that this message uh, ministers, uh, it helps showcase God's glory. It's all for him. And I'm so privileged and honored to share the word of God with you guys. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Rate us and leave a review if you can. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching, keep listening for his voice, and we'll see you again next time, fam.